up on seven minutes past nine o'clock uh, Saturday morning. Uh, good morning good to morning, you, Patrick. How are things? Yeah, things are great. Absolutely fantastic. So we are on our, I can't believe it's our penultimate, penultimate uh, yeah. second, uh, second last show. Last show. Yeah, yeah. Well, we always take Where a break. Where did that time go? Or I should say I take a break at the end you of June. You take a break, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For July and August. But we're, we'll be back in September again. Yes. We do uh, shows right through into September to the end of October yeah. uh, with the autumn programme so um, yeah it gives me a little bit of a break and right, and just allows to me to focus, focus on other things <laughs> and I'm you sure. can focus on music yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway no no we, we, we always love doing the gardening programme and I think uh, people do enjoy it as well anyway we still have today and we have we next have. week so uh, we're not going to rest on our laurels no we're not lots to be done we're going to talk a little bit about taking cuttings this yeah morning. well I thought you know the, the this year in, in particular uh, the last couple of weeks plants have done really, really, really well, mm. um, particularly uh, early summer flowering shrubs like Wigilias and Dutzias. Um, you saw the cherries earlier on this year, the laburnums, the amount of flower the plants have had this year. And really it's down to um, the, the, the very good weather we've had for the last number of weeks. Roses, for example, are f- flowering brilliantly at the moment. But this is the time of year when people can take cuttings of their favourite plants. And we generally associate cuttings and the propagation of plants with autumn, winter or early spring. But this is actually a very, very good time for taking what we call softwood cuttings. So these are the uh, cuttings of new growth or slips, as they're often called. A slip of a plant. A slip of a plant. A slip of a person. A slip of a plant. <laughs> so it means a piece of a plant, a small little piece of a plant. And generally, when you, what you're looking for is the young growth. So the growth that has been made in the last five or six weeks, that's what, what roots really, really easy. So things like hydrangeas, variegated poplars, for example, are lovely. They're fantastic colour this year. Plants, like I mentioned, like the Wigilias, Fuchsias, Lavateria, all those very, very easy to grow plants are very easy to propagate. Mm. So fuchsia, for example, would be quite an easy one to do. Now, I brought in a, a little slip a slip of a plant. Right. This is a plant called Agoranthemum. Um, I would have talked about this yes. plant a couple of weeks back. Um, it's sitting on my patio in full flower in a pot. But this is the time to take cuttings from it, even though it's in flower. So you can see there's lots of flowers on the plant, yes. loads of buds being produced. And I've taken what we call a softwood cutting. So it's literally... This year's growth. This year's growth. It's still very, very green. The leaves are attached. And all we simply do is take the cutting about half the length of a pencil. So roughly about four to six inches okay, in Okay, so we're not talking about the bit at the top we're not, now. We're talking no, about the flower bit. Just the stem. Right. What you're looking for is the actual stem. And you remove all the leaves as I'm doing now, right. I'm just stripping off yeah. all the leaves off the plant, even that little side shoot, see that little piece that I've taken uh-huh. off there, that will actually propagate will from it? cutting. Isn't that amazing? Even though it's so tiny. It's so tiny. So I'll just show you in a minute how to do that. Okay. So we're still on the main stem here. So we'll actually just, so I'm stripping so off literally all, all the leaves, all the leaves, apart from one that I'm going to leave right at the very top. Okay. What's the, the why, why do we leave one? We leave one to help uh, encourage moisture to, to travel up the stem to that one leaf. So that leaf will be, the light will come onto that leaf. It'll bring the moisture so and that, keep, it the, keeps the stem That's active. the photosynthesis, photosynthesis aspect Working of things. Away. Right. And then we remove the flowers. So you simply oh. just snip off the flowers. Right. So be that a fuchsia, yeah. be it a rose. You can propagate roses from cuttings at this time of year. Um, you remove all the flowers, all the flower buds, and you strip off all the leaves apart Bar from one. one leaf. Okay. And it looks very, if, you know, if it's I, hard to I believe would have it, said, isn't it? yeah, it's a very lonely looking isn't it? piece of greenery. It's very naked looking, yeah. very vulnerable looking. Yeah. But actually that plant, and here's one that I did three Here's weeks ago. 
Wow. And there it is. And there See it the amount is. of roots on the plant? And loads of new fresh roots yeah. on it. So okay. that's ready. You and can, that's, that's an agaranthum. That's the same plant. Yeah. It's actually from the same plant, the same mother plant. And it's full of... Uh, new bush, leaves. Yeah, bushy leaves. Yeah. yeah, new leaves coming on it. Little flower buds just starting here already. So now, that's I generally, three weeks. Three weeks. Three wow. weeks ago. And you can see already that. So that's ready for potting on. So you pot that up into a, a small pot, grow it on for a couple of weeks, and then it can be planted uh, out into a pot or container. Um, and th- that particular agaranthemum will come into flower this year. That'll actually produce quite a nice size plant, mm. as would a fuchsia. They're very, very vigorous. Um, most shrubs that you take from cuttings now will really flower the following year. Right. So if you're taking hydrangeas or fuchsia, or, well, fuchsias would flower this year, but lavateri or spireas, they would flower next season. So really, look, at my advice is, now, if you're going around your garden or you're out for a walk, have a little polythene bag in your back pocket. Okay. One of those little Ziploc yeah, bags. Yeah. Take the few cuttings, slip them into that because that keeps them moist. You can see how even that cutting, I took that actually last night, and you can see how it's beginning it's to wilt a little yeah. bit. Um, so if that was put in a polythene bag, it would keep it really fa- fresh. So if you're out and about and you're taking cuttings, pop them into a polythene bag. That keeps them moist. It keeps the moisture contained within the bag until such time as you get round to taking the cutting and uh, keeps it fresh. And then literally do exactly like I did there. Strip off the leaves. Now, the one thing I didn't mention was mm. you need to d- put into a little bit of rooting powder. Okay. So you'll find st- the strike rooting powder really good. Or what I've actually used um, lately is, is this little product called Take Root, which is a liquid it's a liquid, oh, right. yeah. a liquid version of rooting powder. So it's actually made by Maxi Crop. It's made from seaweed. It's a natural, organic product. Um, I found it really good. I use it on those agaranthemums, and um, a little bottle like that will last you several years. So that's take root. It's a liquid form of oh, the the powder. It's a little bit easier to use, and um, very effective. But you will find at this time of year, particularly if you're admiring plants mm. and gardens, and uh, it's nice just to slip a little. So all you want is a small little piece of a shoot. Literally what you've, what what you've, I've what you've demonstrated there. there. And remember, you can do common things like roses. You can even take cuttings from things like trailing petunias. I was showing this to the people that came to the basket talk a couple of weeks back. Mm-hmm. Trailing petunias or... Um, things like bacopa, any of the kind of trading plants you'd associate with baskets, but also trees like the variegated poplar um, and then a whole range of shrubs like the hydrangeas, lavateria, wigilias, fuchsias, um, all of those root really easy at this time of year. So it's a, it's a little novel thing. Have a bit of a go. Within three or four weeks, you'll know whether it has rooted or not. And um, Yeah, do they need to, um, I suppose, a couple of questions. Do they need uh, a specific kind of soil? Good question. Thank you. See, these are things that I forget about. (laughs) So what you actually need is a very gritty compost. You'll see on the roots of this one, see the little white pieces of perlite? Yeah. So I mixed, when I was taking the cuttings, I mixed compost with 50% compost to 50% perlite. Perlite. Now, perlite is a volcanic ash. It's a small, you can just buy a a bag of it in your local garden centre. It's really good when you're sowing the seeds of plants or for taking cuttings because it gives a very good open structure that the root, the the stems of plants find it very easy for the roots to to, uh, penetrate through. So it aerates the compost and gives it a... So it's it's not constricting them too much. Exactly. So pure compost on its own, it kind of squeezes the, the, the cutting and stops it from, from rooting effectively. So a 50-50 mix of regular potting compost with perlite, mix it up together, slip put it into a pot. I mean, a pot that size, you would fit 15 to 20 cuttings. So we're looking at a pot that's no more than about five inches wide, mm. about five, six inches high. Um, small pot, you'd have 15 to 20 cuttings of a plant in that. No problem whatsoever. Just keep the compost moist and uh, use the take root or strike rooting powder and you'll have great success. It's a great way of propagating plants.
for free. And the strike, the, the take root liquid, is that a matter of dipping the root, dipping well, the stem a, into it? So it yeah, you the, make up a solution. The solu- way you work the fruiting powder. Yeah, you can do it two ways. You you make it up in a solution. So it's generally 20 mils to a litre of water. So you make just like you're mixing up, say, a liquid feed. And you can dip the cutting into it if you wish. Or you can put all the cuttings into the compost and then water in the solution. Okay, so like as, as if you were adding as a bit of fertiliser. Yeah. Exactly. And, and uh, so simple to do. Really great time to take cuttings. And you know when people are out and about and they're looking at plants yeah. and they're seeing a particular rose for example a nice red rose and they want to propagate it this is the time of year and I think people uh, who the, whoever owns the rose or whoever who's ever garden it's in if it isn't a garden people love to share their, yeah, their plants like that they so do of course because you never only, be shy about asking you're only taking a really really yeah. small a slip of the plant yeah. and it does no harm whatsoever yeah. to the to the original plant. And I think it's probably flattering for the gardener who has grown it. We'll make it flattering. Yeah, we'll make it flattering and you'll, no, if you you'll go be on, surprised what you come away with. If you go onto my Facebook page, yeah. Pori Corkin, you will get, I have put up a couple of images just to show people the steps one, two, three, right. four. Because I know we've to. covered a fair bit of information yeah. there and sometimes yeah. it can be hard. It's easy for me to see because I, I, I'm looking at you but from a visual perspective over the radio, yeah, a few photographs. Facebook yeah, is the job. Great, great, great. Um, so a really good time to take cuttings. So get, you know, this is the time. Geranium cuttings as well. This is the time as well as we go into late June, July. The one exception with geraniums, these are the popular mm. red or pink geraniums, is to let them dry overnight. So take the cuttings today, leave them to dry in a windowsill overnight. So they should be a little bit um, dried up, yeah. as it were. And then... take the cuttings exactly the way I mentioned there but a really good time the other thing Deirdre is this this is the time of year for sowing the seeds of plants and in particular a favourite plant of mine a plant that resonates with me going back to my grandmother's day uh, Sarah Horgan are the wallflowers Ah. Yes, and, and a favourite of it, lots of people. Really, really great plant. Really old plant, an old cottage garden plant. Loved by bees because they come into flower in late March, April. To be truthful, they, they nearly flower all year round. There's always sunflowers on wallflowers. Um, so they'll often flower as we get into the cooler part of autumn, winter. But particularly in spring, they're very, very colourful. They start to flower around St. Patrick's Day and continue. They're still in flower at the moment. Um, so this is the time of year for sowing the seed of wallflowers. You can get a whole range of different types, a mm. whole range of different colours. Um, this one I brought in is called Brilliant Bedder, which is a it's a small compact varieties, perfect for flower borders and beds. But this is the time of year to sow them. And can you just sow them directly into the beds now or do you need to pot them and then put them out later? You can do two things. You can either sow them in seed trays yeah. and leave the seed trays out of doors just yeah. to germinate or you're you're better to create if you had a small piece of ground say in the veg garden create a little ridge or a small little bed sow the seed there let them grow on and then transplant them at the end of August early September right. lift them out of the ground, ground and plant them into the area that you want to to grow them in because naturally enough the seed are tiny the yeah. seedlings will be tiny but by August the plants will be about six inches in diameter right. they'll be really bushy and strong so they need to be spaced so that's the idea of sowing them in a little area ordinary garden soil maybe add a small bit of compost into the soil sow the seeds they're dead easy to grow there's about two or three hundred there's actually 685 seeds in that <laughs> so when you get a pack you <laughs> get loads lo- yeah. and loads so okay. generally they're, they, they're vary between two three hundred but that one actually has 600 seed in it the better one so really simple to grow and the soil temperatures at the moment out of doors are absolutely perfect I mean look at all the weeds that are yeah, growing at the moment thriving. thriving so that tells you it's perfect weather for sowing the seeds of plant now I just brought up wallflowers in there's so many that can be sown at this time of year like sweet williams forget-me-nots primroses winter pansies winter 
winter violas, um, double daisies, the bellas, the lovely double daisies. And then most of our cottage garden plants, like our lupins, delphiniums, foxgloves, can all be sown from seed at this time of year. And you've got the perfect temperatures. So what you, you said something about 14 degrees there mm. in the weather. So that's the outside temperature. Um, so that's perfect conditions for, for the sowing of seed. Um, so... Wallflowers in particular, particularly if you want some scent for next spring, particularly if you want to bring some honeybees into the garden, they'd be fantastic to sow from seed. Again, with the rain coming back, and particularly in the last week, we were just, just chatting about the, the amount of rain in well, areas. So, I know some places got loads of rain and other places got hardly any at all. Yeah. I, I witnessed a shower, I think, on Wednesday evening. Goodness me, you talk about the heavens opening. <laughs> well, they, they, between that and the heat that has been um, stored up over the last six weeks in the soil, it's really great planting weather. And you'll see the amount of growth. Everything is really green, really healthy and those couple of last really warm days, things are beginning to slow Mm. down a bit but over the last week or 10 days with the moisture, it's certainly things are back very, very uh, green very vigorous. So it's still great planting weather and particularly for trees. At this time of year, all trees are in leaf so it's a really nice time to select a tree because if you're looking for things like uh, purple leaf maples or variegated maples or a lovely tree that's in flower at the moment called Milky Way, the cornice, which is beautiful, that mm-hmm. was a we, big yeah. winner at Bloom this year. Um, really nice tree. Things like Weeping Willow, Eucalyptus, for example, a beautiful tree at the moment, fantastic new growth coming on it. And even pl- common plants like flowering cherries, this is the t- a great time to plant those into the ground. So you'll be visiting the local gardens and you'll see the trees and leaves so it's a good time to select a tree but also it's a great time in terms of planting because soil conditions are perfect and that really applies to most trees, shrubs, hedging soil conditions are absolutely ideal for planting now they'll get a really really good start with the um moisture as well you've mentioned over the last next few days again just keep an eye on the blight yes so uh, i mentioned last week with a bit of dry weather do put on some blight treatment now because we are coming into that time of year and when we get that humid moist weather um you know spray on a dry day and and the plants are protected use one of the systemic Uh, blight controls because that'll protect the plant from within. So if you spray today on a dry day, it'll protect for up to two or three weeks, irrespective of the weather. Um, So that that will be another kind of key key tip at the moment. But really at this time of year, it's about propagating plants, sowing seeds, taking a few cuttings. The other thing I would be doing is just deadheading plants. So if you're finding some of your roses beginning to go over a little bit, Mm. just cut them back, give them a feed, they'll regrow again and reflower. Or you might find some lupin flowers beginning they just to cafe. Yeah. Particularly after heavy wet weather, wait, wait, sometimes yeah. they go over. Just trim them back, cut off the old flowering stems, right. give them a feed, they'll reshoot and reflower again. Great stuff. Okay. Um, questions. Actually, no, before we go any further, I, I want to say a big good morning to Kitty and Ted Conway uh, in Tune Porrick. They're big fans of the programme. And I was asked to say a particular Avid good morning. Avid gardeners. Avid gardeners. So Kitty well and Ted, good morning to you both and hopefully uh, you're enjoying the programme today. I think well, uh, they them? listen every week. So. Are you going to see them soon? Um, I mightn't, but I might. And my well, mother definitely will. bring so. this Grantham with you. Oh, well right? now, there you go. <laughs> no excuses not for a visit then. <laughs> okay, well I'm sure they'd love to to get that. Thank you very much. Right, questions, Porek. Um, we have we've quite a few on, I suppose, similar topics. We're going to talk about tomatoes first of okay. all, so because that's literally top of the list. The love apple. The, lo- the love apple. apple. Um, what do we do with tomato plants once they have finished yielding fruit? Do we take them out and start again or do we leave for the next season? Um, okay. I'm just going to try and group all of these together if I can now a little bit. Uh, also, somebody planted tumbler and red profusion cherry type tomatoes into 
fruit baskets and large pots. They're very bushy now and covered in yellow flowers. Not sure, but do we need to cut something back or do they sound okay? Right, and sound perfect. Tomatoes me. growing strongly, small fruits appearing again. How often do we feed water and will blight be a problem? I know we just oh, talked yeah, about blight a second ago. Yeah. So well, Let's deal with that. Mm. So tomatoes and potatoes are in the same family and potato blight can affect tomatoes so yes um, if they're growing out of doors certainly uh, an application of one of the potato blight treatments um, will prevent blight coming onto tomatoes generally when they're in a tunnel or greenhouse situation if you're not chucking the water up on the foliage blight doesn't be it's not going to be a problem so when you're watering your tomatoes keep the water right down at the root level or at pot level not sprinkling it everywhere um, and you shouldn't have a problem with blight now if there is a blight warning issued by met air it is no harm just to spray the tomato plants anyway in terms of the question around the tumbler and i think red profusion mm. wasn't it they're they're what we call trailing uh, varieties of tomato they don't need they don't require this the pinching out of side shoots so literally you just leave them alone continue to water continue to feed you're feeding tomatoes now every fortnight at this time of year that that would be important um, and regular watering particularly at the flowering and, and the early fruit stage so from now on you'll be at least watering once a week and feeding every fortnight with the tomatoes but tumbler and red profusion are those two easy to grow varieties perfect in patio pots and tubs because you don't have to pinch them back that don't require staking they're really easy to grow in terms of the first question when do yeah you so I suppose it, this is I suppose this is probably for later in the year really yeah. but when when it's all done and dusted yeah tomatoes won't be producing unless you've bought varieties sometimes you can buy tomatoes in your local garden centre uh, plants with fruit on them so in, in May and June these are varieties that are forced into flowering and fruiting very early in the season mm. and have a very early season crop so if it's one of those they'll come back into growth again they'll reflower and they'll produce more fruit because the fruiting period for tomatoes runs right up to the end of September early October so you're generally harvesting the tomatoes from about the middle of July late July right through to the end of September and even in September when the fruit is still yellow we'll get questions in when we're back in the autumn yes how do I what, what do I do with the green tomatoes um, at that time of year in late September a good idea is to actually take the entire plant out of the ground hang it upside down in a garage or in a storage area yeah. and the fruit will ripen themselves with the, with the plant inverted upside down or you can pick the green fruit in the late autumn put a small piece of fruit into a paper bag mm-hmm. a bit of a banana or apple and the gas released ripens the fruit of tomatoes so um, it's it's too early yet to be worrying about um, what to do what to do after the tune fact. in in September yeah. and October <laughs> part, and I'll tell you what to do with to follow. exactly so um, the key thing really is regular feeding regular yeah. watering for listeners that have regular tomato varieties say like uh, Moneymaker or Shirley all the common ones you'll, you're taking out the side shoots of those at the moment so you're just removing the little side shoots that come between the leaf axle and the main stem you're leaving the flowers obviously alone you're continuing to watering once a week and you're feeding every fortnight and that's really and once they come to about five Five, maybe five and a half to six feet in height you stop them you take out the, the leading shoot at that point right. and we're really talking about the middle of July at that stage you're taking out the very centre point and you're encouraging then the Let's fruit to develop to f- yeah okay yeah. and chilli plants is similar yeah, well, the chilies are actually very easy to grow yeah. because you simply just pot them up in a pot the chilies only they grow like a bush so they grow literally two feet in height, two feet in width, and they produce lots and lots of chilies. They're actually a very, very easy plant to grow. Do keep an eye out for aphids with them. 
So whitefly can be a problem or aphids. And keep an eye on for aphids at the moment, for green fly and flies in general on your plants, because this is the time of year, but particularly peppers. They love peppers, chilies, anything in the pepper family. Regular watering, so again, once a week, and again, feeding every fortnight with a high potash feed, like the Osmo liquid feed or a, or a tomato feed, will keep them blooming and fruiting. And again, they'll fruit well into September, October. Excellent. Okay, so lots lots there to consider. Uh, and the best of luck to everybody who has tomato plants. Tomato plants, they're just, they're one year only, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. the yeah. end of they, the year, yeah, you say goodbye the to them and you start the whole and process again. again. Okay, just wondering, what flowers do better in poorer, sandy, gritty soil? When okay. sown there, do I liquid feed? Somebody who also listens to the programme every week. Great. Well, on gravelly soils, I mean, you'll often hear me talking about things like lavenders in particular. They love that gritty Mediterranean type plants mm. like that um, gritty, stony, gravelly type soil. Uh, so things like rosemary does really well, lavender, um, anything in the alpine family. So alpine plants are perennial, which means they come back year after year. Most of them are ground covering the spread um, and they love that free draining soil. They actually do really well. And because the soil tends to be a little bit impoverished, they stay more compact, they flower better and they do a whole, a whole lot, lot better, better. than on and really good quality soil. So pop into your local garden centre, ask them for their alpine range. Mm -hmm. Things like Aubrecia would work really well. Um, Ibris, the candy tuff is lovely, lovely plant, beautiful white, personal white flowers. Um, There's a whole range of uh, phloxes in bloom at the moment. Dianthus, anything in the carnation or dianthus family, love that type of gritty soil. In general, you don't have to feed them uh, once they're planted. Yeah, because they, they like to be They like to be, yeah, maybe challenged. Yeah, exactly. And at the end of their flowering period, so Abrisha, for example, has just gone out of flower. This is the time to actually give it a light trimming back. And at that stage, you could certainly give it a small little granulated feed because you want it to produce some new growth. But in general, they don't require feeding like other plants. They actually thrive on free draining impoverished soil. So alpines and anything from the Mediterranean family like lavenders, rosemary and many of the herb thyme for example would do really well. There's lots of really good plants. Okay. Now a couple of rose type questions. Mm, yeah. um, so admiring roses flowering at the moment in other people's gardens right, uh, OPGs. Just inquiring when is the time for planting roses and are some better than others? Uh, similarly is it too late to sow a bed of carpet roses and I know, uh, they, I know the name is similar, but not necessarily from the same family, but peony roses, uh, they've faded flowers now. Do they need some fl- plant food or do we leave that till later with peony roses? Okay, well, so peony roses mm. are different in mm. the, to our comments. So peony yeah. roses are, have been flowering since May, since late April, early May. And they're, they're absolutely stunning this year. And as they go out of flower, you just remove the flowering stem. You allow the foliage to grow on, give it a feed because you're building it up for next year and don't disturb peony roses. They need to be left in the same piece of ground as long as you can um, so really just it's a tidy up uh, taking off the old flowers give them a feed and they'll be perfectly fine in terms of the, the traditional summer flowering roses mm. this is a really good time to plant because the soil conditions are perfect and um, the listener mentioned the carpet roses they come now in four different colours in reds yellows pinks and whites mm-hmm. Um and yellow, that's five colours. And um, they look really well. Again, yes, you can plant them now. They're, as the name suggests, they spread. So they're suitable for banks, slopes, or where you want kind of low coverage. So in height, they tend to grow to about two feet, about three feet in diameter, and give a fantastic show of colour. Yeah. Tend to be disease resistant. 
Um, and are generally a very easy plant to grow. So if you plant them now, they will actually you'll actually get quite a bit of colour from them this year. They should flower up till late September, early October. Yeah, you can you can get quite a long flowering oh, period can. out of them. Yeah. Absolutely, and they're one of the more easier varieties to grow. Generally, plant them in groups of the same colour, so fives and sevens, say of the reds and the pinks, rather than a whole mixture of different colours, tends to look better with carpet roses. Um, so that they can certainly be planted. And then, in terms of regular roses, yes, you can. The patio scarlet roses can be planted now. Lovely variety called Troika. I thought you'd get a kick so out of that one. So it's three. It's obviously got three. Uh, some element of three about. Well, it. there's three colours in it. It's kind of an, uh, it's orange, yellow, and red. Um, but I thought you know. <laughs> been a dirty how, word here in how Ireland. Terribly, how terribly uh, apolitical of us. Go on. <laughs> so, Rosa Troika, really good, good variety. Uh, Nostalgia is another, another lovely variety that's just coming into flower. It's a pink and, and white variety. Um, if you want something with red, go for Wildfire, which is a kind of an orangey red colour, really stunning at the moment. But look at a great time to plant roses. Really, for your for people that have roses in the garden, the maintenance now is just deadheading any old roses. If you deadhead and feed at the same time, they'll come back into growth and reflower again. You can also take some slips of your favourite roses. Oh. If you've got some roses that are that you would like to propagate, yeah. do exactly what we did this morning, and you got yourself some new roses that will flower next season. Right, uh, have large crinum bulbs. Crinum bulbs yeah, okay, yeah. in a pot for two years, they never flower. How can I encourage them to flower? What are crinum bulbs? Crinum bulbs are very similar. Do you know the amaryllis bulb that yes. we plant at Christmas? It's ex- exactly the same family, but it's the outdoor version. Right. And it comes, and it's this time of the year. Trumpet shaped flowers, flowering July, August, September, that sort of period. Um, Totally hardy out of doors as long as you get really good free draining soil. Now, um, having said that, they flower when they're under a little bit of stress. So a lot, of, a lot of listeners will grow them in pots, in terracotta pots, because they like the root system likes to be confined. Remember when you buy the amaryllis bulb at, at Christmas, it's about the size of a small turnip, mm. so it's huge. Yes. But you put it into a very small pot, because anything in that um, amaryllis family like their roots restricted. Where they get a lot of free space, you get lots of green leaves, and very little flower. Now, the fact that this is in a pot for two years, keep it in the same pot. Feed it with a high potash feed, so a tomato feed would be perfect, um, and it will come into flower. So, but it, it may take another year, make another take another two years until such time as it, it has actually filled the pot. pot. Now, if it's in a very large pot, I would actually move it back into a smaller pot. Right. So, the more you restrict the roots, the more you force the plant to flower. Okay. For crinums. And, and they're not a bulb that when it's in a terracotta pot, you tend to leave it in it for maybe five, six, maybe eight years before repotting it again. Or you'd often repot it back into the same pot. So you take it out in the autumn, take off any excessive old compost and repot it back into its same pot. So in other words, it, it, it's a plant that needs to be restricted. And a pot is a great way to grow it. When we grow it out of doors, we often plant it in a terracotta pot and sink the pot into the ground to keep the roots restricted. restricted. Um, so... Beautiful plant, lovely colour. Once you get it flowering, as long as you don't disturb the roots or repot into a bigger, give it too much space mm. again, it'll continue to flower reliably every year. Right, so it, it needs to be given a little it bit needs of to be, hardship. Yeah, confined, exactly. Um, high potash feeds help to slow down the growth and bring it into flower, yeah. so rose feeds are very good for it. Um, but apart from that, it's just a little bit of patience with it and, it, and they're well worth uh, growing because they're beautiful trumpet-shaped flowers. Really, really nice, very, very showy. dainty. Yeah. <gasps> Right, questions now. We've quite a few questions on lawns, Porrick. Okay, and it's the time of year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to again try and group some of these together. Great time uh, to actually feed for people that want to kind of green up the lawn and give the, the lawn a, another mm. tonic. 
this sort of weather when we get that heavy dew heavy showers it's perfect you can see the lawns even have come back in the last 10 days so it's a, an ideal time just to give them something like the park and fairway or a straight fertiliser just to give them a bit, a bit of colour something that won't force them just give a nice bit of green colour for the summer period Right I suppose particularly the questions relate to uh, large areas with a lot of buttercups in the lawn Um, also a a couple of new lawn questions where a lawn was laid five weeks ago the grass is up it's doing very well but again a lot of weeds especially uh, what's known as red shank Um, and somebody else has got a lawn that has been sown um, and wondering when do we cut it and there's a lot of white clover in a lawn and how do we get rid of that so So buttercups white clover red shank well let's deal with the new lawns so Mm. what did I say at the top of the programme is perfect conditions at the moment for the sowing of seed and weeds are germinating everywhere. So when you till a new lawn and sow a new lawn, Mm. you're bringing the the weed seeds up to the surface. And of course, we've got super conditions for those to germinate. So that is perfectly natural to see broadleaf weeds germinating alongside your lawn seed. Now, most of them, like red shank, um, won't tolerate the first couple of mows. So once you start to mow the grass, a lot of those weeds are going to die away. what, What will be a problem are creeping weeds like clover, like plantain, like creeping uh, daisies, creeping buttercup. buttercup. So anything that's under the the the, the, sk- the skim of the, the blade yeah. won't will survive. So any of the taller weeds, like most thistles, will some of the, the uh, flatter thistles can survive. But generally speaking, most of the top broadleaf weeds will die away. So regular cutting, and you start to cut the lawn when it's about inch to inch and a half. Put on the grass box. So roll the lawn first of all before you mow. Give it a roll, then. Take out the lawnmower, set it at a fairly high level, put on your grass box and go around and start cutting the lawn. And cut it once a week, even though it may it may look like it doesn't need it, keep topping it back. Because like cutting the branch of a tree or a plant, you start to encourage the grass to tiller and fill out and become bushy and start to uh, colonise the, the gaps and, and the, the areas. And you're also eliminating the weeds during the same process. Now, if you find in the autumn that there's still some weeds hanging around, you in four months or five months time you can use something like dicoflower then safely to just take away any other weeds that might be there so regular mowing on new lawns will eliminate an awful lot of the weed problems and also encourage the grass to tiller and fill in and get a really good quality lawn so don't be afraid to cut it um, in terms of established lawns there's lots of clover around at the moment mm, and, and lots, cl- of bu- lots, lots of buttercups well buttercups are there because of the wet summer last year okay. so buttercups are in the Renuncalacea family and they love moisture they grow in ponds they grow in marshy ground so ranunculus has done or creeping buttercup is everywhere at the moment and um, if you want to get rid of it don't cut, cut your lawn for about a week to 10 days treat it with dicoflower leave it for three days the buttercups are dead and it'll kill any other broadleaf weeds as well right um, clover in the lawn is a sign that it needs feeding so and particularly when the lawn came under a little bit of stress with the dry weather mm. with the grass stopped growing clover starts to push forward. So where you see clover in a lawn, it's an indication you need to feed it because clover fixes its own nitrogen. It produces nitrogen in the soil. So where in a well-fed lawn, uh, clover actually dies away. So it's an indication it needs feeding. So again, I put on something simple like the park and fairway. And if you want, you can use the dicoflower to control the clover as well. Uh, and Bordeaux mixture, is that, uh, I see a question on that, is that lawn related or no, is that something Bordeaux else? Bordeaux mixture was used uh, for many, many years. It comes from France, of course, Bordeaux. Bordeaux, yeah. Used on the grapevines to control mildew and it's a fungicide uh, made, made from copper. And uh, we, uh, you know, would have used it for many years for um, potato blight. 
ah, controlling it. Right. So it has it's gone off the market, um, but you can still get the copper fungicide if you want to use something very similar to. Well, and was mixture. it organic? Uh, yeah, it, it yeah. Some of, some of the organic people might uh, <laughs> disagree uh, a little differ bit. on that, right? But yeah, but it, it it's it was made from uh, copper, which is a natural occurring material, so it would have been sold as an organic or an organic from that based right. fungicide. Now the only thing with it is mm. it only controls. It's a bit like diethane. It controlled blight or when you spray it on the foliage it protected that foliage but any new growth was unprotected so as the and they were growing so vigorously at the moment mm. that you know you could spray it today but within a week the new growth wasn't protected whereas a lot of the um, the newer uh, potato blight treatments like the bare one that I mentioned is systemic which means it enters the system of the plant so as the, the potato stalks produce new growth they're protected as well so okay. generally if you spray it today you get two to three weeks protection from the newer um, the newer sprays yeah the newer treatments so um, but yeah, that's what Bordeaux mixture was. Yeah, okay. The old grapevines. But there are alternatives. Oh, there are yeah. absolutely, absolutely. And I would, pref- I would tend to recommend the more systemic because you're getting a longer period of control, and you need to spray less with them. Whereas with the Bordeaux and the Diethane, it was kind of every ten days. It, that's a lot of spraying yeah. over over uh, a period know, the of next time. three months period. Yeah. Whereas you, with the systemic, you might give them three applications, would be perfect. You know, two to three applications will keep them protected. Lovely. Right, Pork, why is the outside leaves of my cabbage and cauliflower turned reddy brown? <laughs> and I have another cabbage question in a second as well. Sun's Because you can I find that as well? Well, if you, get, if you see cabbage going purpley colour, uh, reddish colour, it's a sign it's under stress. It could be an indication that you've got cabbage root fly at the base, and mm-hmm. that's the first thing I'd check for. Um, any kind of reddish coloration or yellow coloration, uh, particularly if the plants are loose in the ground or falling over. Um, you, the other thing you can get at this time of year is aphids or green fly on cabbage, which again will turn them. So any plant, when you see a plant showing kind of a port wine or reddish colour, it's under stress, right? right? We often see it particularly in the wintertime when plants get very cold, they take on that colour, that colour, but particularly if they're under stress from uh, pests. And I would imagine cab- cabbage root fly, if it's cabbage root fly, use the nematodes. Um, that's a great organic method of, of controlling them um, and very fast and they work very, very quickly. Um, but I would guess it's that I would lift one of them to be honest and have a look at the root structure and see can you see visibly any of the maggots they'll be quite um, visible from the, with the naked eye yeah. they'll be white in colour they'll be around the root structure the roots themselves will be um, the other thing you could have is club root club root will also give that kind of red red coloration to the to the actual um What's club root? Club, club root, root is anything in the cabbage family, including our friends the wallflowers. They're all in cabbage family. So cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, um, anything in that family can suffer from club root. So club root is a root disease, mm. and the roots become swollen, distorted, um, disfigured, uh, and and again, you know, they'll, they'll swell up, you know, thickness of your thumb type of thing, or even thicker. And basically, the the roots start stop absorbing moisture and nutrition, and the plants become distorted and and, and keel over okay. but they go red first. first so there's something definitely at the root structure it's either club root could be cabbage root fly and check the back of the leaves for 
um, aphids because aphids will attack greenfly yeah, or greenfly will attack cabbage. There's a, a listener called Joe here also has a problem with aphids. They've attacked cabbage for the first time. Right. Don't look good. Most are withering away. So yeah. any, well, any can you, we spray? You for can those? use the, again. There? You can use the super nemos if you yeah. want on the aphids. With they're effective on that, or you can use something like if the cabbage isn't ready for eating, something like the PY spray would be good. Or there's one called bug spray which you can spray today and eat within five or six days. Um, it's got a short interval harvest. Um, but definitely, like that, that was my word of warning last week. When you get a spell of really warm weather, aphids and flies in general, I mean, you see it, the amount yeah, of midges, the amount everywhere. of houseflies, da 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 da. I got a bite during the week and it was go. pretty savage, <laughs> to be so, honest. Uh, yeah. Look at the, so this is the time of year, so keep an eye out. We don't tend to associate aphids with cabbage, but they love them. Yeah. Absolutely love them and they'll move through the crop and they're under the, the back of the leaf, so you don't tend so you to don't see them. see them if you're just yeah. looking at And next thing the plants start to go yellow and you're wondering what's wrong. So do check them. Every now and again, just check the underside of the leaves. And see what's going on. Yeah, apple trees can often get it. Uh, rose trees, obviously. Um, you know, common garden plants can just get them and that's... Like that's, you know, and an odd bit is, is no harm, but it, but particularly on... But uh, you don't, yeah, you yeah. want to nip it in the bud yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Now, uh, from aphids, we also have a challenge with rabbits. I know we talked briefly about this on the programme last week. Uh, Jimmy is in Castle Bar area and he bought some cabbage plants. Good. And uh, it seems the rabbits are having a field day and All they've right, been eating the plants that he bought and he's wondering what well, might you, he do. Jimmy can use the grazers that I mentioned last week. Um, you'll find that very effective. It can be used on all edible plants. So Grazers is a particular treatment that will stop rabbits, hares, uh, pigeons attacking uh, the foliage of plants. So you simply just spray it on. It doesn't damage. It's actually calcium, so it'll actually give the plants a bit of a feed and it'll stop the rabbits going in near them. Right, here's a good news story from the garden. Uh, I am currently digging the first of my red Duke of York new potatoes oh, and I'm variety. thrilled. Would like to plant some more vegetables into this soil. What's available now? Um, well, there's, there's quite a lot. Um, I would guess it's probably in a tunnel or greenhouse by the by the sound of it. If they're, yeah. Certainly if they're digging them this early. So that's red Duke of York, beautiful first early variety, a really nice, nice one. So good luck with that. I would put in maybe a crop of peas, which would be good. You can get the plants of garden peas. Now the two peas for example and not only will you get a great crop from them but the leaving the roots and the stems in the ground in the autumn and winter will actually add nutrition and you add nitrogen back to the soil because the potatoes will be quite a hungry feeder but look at there's lots of vegetables available all the salad crops you could put in a couple of tomato plants it's still not too late mm-hmm. um, and they'll give you fruit this year particularly if it's a greenhouse and tunnel all the lettuce family you can plant now there's lots of cabbage plants still available um, Autumn kale could be put in. So there's look, there's plenty Lots of strong of plants now that could go straight in. Maybe a few strawberry plants even. Anything like that could be put back in the soil. Now, my new Escalonia mm. hedge, which I planted in October, is growing really fast. Great. Did I hear you right that the new hedges should be cut back now? <laughs> or did you mean next spring? No, no. But the point I was making with particularly newly planted hedges, they are, the, the, the growth has been very vigorous in the last six weeks. And tipping them back, taking about four or five inches off the plants now, encourages the, the Escalonia to thicken out, become bushier, become a stronger plant. Rather than chopping it back next spring or next summer, you know, when it gets too tall and too leggy. So with all hedges, be it laurel, escalonia, privet, any hedge, Mm. trim back the tips of them now to get them to thicken out. The only exception would be conifers, things like lelandii or yew trees, just allow those to continue to grow up. But all others, just, I mean, literally removing four to six inches of the top growth and the side shoots, give it a light trimming back, give it a feed, and that'll get you a far bushier, stronger plant. 
Now, hi guys. Uh, what could they put on sycamore saplings? They're growing well, but a couple of them aren't doing as good as others. Is there anything to give them a boost? Yeah, no, sycamore. They're, they're quite slow growing, really, aren't they? Well, Are they? Yeah, they're not too bad now. They, they, they can, one, one depends on the soil, of course. Um, now, in terms of, to answer the question, you can give them a feed of a tree and shrub fertiliser, something like Pro 6 will be fine, shake it around the base of them. Do remember with sycamore seed, and I wrote an article a couple of, last year, the year before, <clears throat> the seeds of, of sycamore are poisonous to horses in particular and in a year and I I would predict this year we'll have a heavy crop of sycamore seed uh, because they flowered so heavily this year and the weather's been so good for setting seed keep an eye out for that because sycamore seed is poisonous to horses in particular and horses will die if they eat and and, and we had lots of cases of that about two years ago Um, so don't plant the sycamores I suppose where you you may have horses grazing Mm. in particular Uh, but in terms of feeding them a regular granulated feed um, put it maybe a bamboo cane down with them as well to keep them nice and straight and then as they're growing take off some of the lower branches strip off a few of the lower branches just to get that nice clean stem on the on the sycamore tree but yeah they'll be fine they'll they're easy to grow. But just be careful where you're putting them. Where you're planting them, absolutely. Now, what's the best compost to use for acers? Marion is in Ballinrobe. She had one last year, but sadly it died. And trying again this year, so just we're trying to make sure that she's got everything well, in Well, the key the thing with, with maples is, is shelter is the most important thing. So we're, when we're, Marion is placing the pot, it needs to be a sheltered location out of the wind. Okay, they will tolerate semi-shade, but it needs to be in a sheltered location. That's the critical thing for maples. In terms of soil, I would use 50% garden soil, so her own garden, good quality garden soil, or Mm -hmm. buy a bag of topsoil and mix uh, 50% of regular compost with that. So mix the two together. So you really want a soil-based compost um, when planting maples. You could add a little bit of the slow-release fertiliser in as well, about half a handful. Mix that all together. Make sure that the hole in the pot is well drained that they put a, a plastic pot over the hole before putting in the compost and that'll help to keep it open yeah. so they need a good free draining soil a soil based compost so get yourself a bag of topsoil and a bag of multi-purpose compost mix the two together add some slow release fertiliser put into the pot it should be a happy, should be days. happy days yeah, they're easy to grow but they do require a shelter so it's, it's the it, wind it really. might be the spot it was in really yeah, absolutely even. the wind can be the biggest factor with, with maples Okay, just one or two more. I have a lot of small flies on new growth on plants in my greenhouse. Is it still safe to use the smoke bombs at this time or should I spray instead? Well, the smoke bomb will work really well. It It, won't affect the plants. No, 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 it won't affect the plants. So what you need to do then is close down the greenhouse, say, this evening, close the windows, close the doors, put in the little smoke bomb, light it, leave it for two hours and then ventilate. And that the smoke is great because it gets into all the nooks and crannies okay. and in under, under, the under the leaves exactly. and over the leaves and all, so, yeah. but it can be used safely with um, with tomato plants or whatever the listener has no problem okay and do winter flowering heathers need feeding my plants are growing really well but I'm not sure should I feed them or leave them alone well no I'd give them a feed because uh, winter flowering heathers come into flower from November through to the following April so they flower on this year's growth so however well the, the plants grow this year determines how well they'll flower during the winter so again use something like the the pro six six feed about half a handful around each heather plant one feed is enough do it now before the rain 
ideally so if you can get it on today great mm-hmm. and um, yeah that'll boost them on because how well they grow during the summer now dictates how they flower in the winter Okay and finally I'm pestered with the wild fern and a plant like wild ivy growing in my garden the fern is even coming up through my tar in the oh. driveway how do I get rid of them? Well it may be mare's tail that the listener is talking about which is a ferny like foliage it's got yeah. that very kind of delicate fo- ferny foliage um, so if it and again if it's ordinary fern you can use the Neardorf spray which is specifically good for uh, mare's tail or you can use the SBK uh, weed killer treatment dry weather calm day apply it onto the foliage good idea to add a little bit of washing up liquid to the mix just to stick it onto the leaf a little bit better and that'll see it off excellent we'll leave it there for this morning so Porik and uh, so remember my Facebook page Porik Horkin uh, and that's it, I think. <laughs> that's, just that's Borry it. Gate, <laughs> Gorkin, and I have some of the cutting pictures up there if people want to see so how to take some cuttings and propagate some plants. Okay, and we have the final program of the current Looking season forward to it. next Saturday morning. That's it uh, from me, standby Michael Neary, coming your way next with the very best in country classics and news headlines on the way with Anthony Nugent. Until next Saturday, good morning to you.